Hey, hey, hey. It's him. He's gotten away again. Look, he got out. Here he is. The crazy man. Love being crazy for you guys. I am crazy for you guys. Absolutely crazy. So I hope you're having a good day. Uh, this is Lee Jackson, America's favorite watchman, right here with you trying to explain to you how to do it right. So, you know, one of the things we were talking about last time is what to do when you a watch walks in the door, you see something you like. Paying for something is an interesting uh, concept. You have to decide, is it worth it? Okay, now what does that mean? Somebody brings in a watch. Is it worth what they want or what you're going to have to pay? Sometimes you're going to have to pay more than you want to pay. Okay, and you have to decide, is it worth it to you? And a very, very old friend of mine, many, 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 many moons ago said he would pay more for something if he got the terms he wanted. And I always remembered that and said, you know, if you get it, the, the terms are important. How do you want to be paid? How much do you want to trade? There's a lot of parts you can move around to uh, facilitate what you want. What I think is cool is you put money away all the time and have a fund and you have that money and you can spend it. And as it keeps growing, your wish list keeps going up. You know what you what your money will buy. You move on from Timexes to Vacherons. You know, you never know. So that's one way to do it. And that always keeps you busy because every time you put money in that fund, you get excited thinking, ooh, ooh now I got more to spend on something. And the longer you can wait, the more money you can put in, the better it is because you get a better watch. Okay, so let's go back to what we were talking about. I was telling you the story of me re repairing my Vacheron, which I thought was a basket case. And now I'm going to talk about the other one that needed the bezel and the crystal. I found this wonderful watch. It was a uh, very complicated moon phase, day, date, uh, mother of pearl dial, gorgeous, absolutely beautiful watch. Somebody had been very tough, rough with it. Hands were bent. There was no crystal, no bezel, and it's kind of a to no shape, kind of. So it's a very odd shape. And I looked and looked and looked and looked for parts and I couldn't find any nothing no bezels no crystal not even the crystal nothing and I've said this before when you buy watches that are offbeat they're not tons and tons of them like Omega for example there's lots of parts because there's a lot of Omegas running around there's a lot of Longines running around a lot of Rolexes running around there's a lot of Vacherons, not as many paddocks, but a lot of Vacherons. So the less that's out there, the less you're going to find in parts. And some watches are really, really hard. I mean, this watch, I looked for over a year. I couldn't find anything, not even close. So what I ended up doing was buying a similar watch by the same manufacturer, but a different movement. A simple movement, just time, but it was the same case. And I figured I'm just going to take the bezel and the crystal off of that watch and put it on the other one. It's the same case. Now, when you buy sight unseen, you take a chance. And I do this a lot. I'll get something and it won't be right. I'll get something else and it won't be right. I'll get the third one. It's right. 
Um, I try not to do that, but when you're buying sight unseen, it's not easy to do that, to just buy and get it right the first time. I'm not always on the money, but I'm pretty close. Like when I was buying those, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was buying those movements for my Vacheron and they were not the same movement, they, but they were in that time frame. They're within a few years. They're a little smaller, shaped different. But I figured the wheels and everything are probably the same. Well, guess what? They weren't. So you take a shot. You know, it's a hell of a lot spending uh, 50 or $100 on a movement that didn't work than sending it off to Vacheron for $2,000. So to me, if my guy can't get the parts, I'm certainly going to try. And I was doing that the whole time I had to watch in that other guy's place, which the guy couldn't fix it at all. I was looking for parts all the time, but the communication between me and him was really bad. Every time I'd say, Hey, I found this movement I want to bring. He'd say, don't, don't do that. I don't know. He just didn't like it. And what he was trying to do was cover up for his uh, lack of knowledge and lack of expertise. He really was. That's why he would do that. I remember when I got, I got some other watches fixed by him and I took them, I took them home. They looked great. Had new dials put on them. We redid the dials. I designed them. The cases were cleaned up. Beautiful. They look great. And I put them on my timing machine, and there the line, which should be straight, was a wiggly wiggly all over the place. Two lines, and if they're separated, that's bad. If they're together, that's good. So they're separated. They're all over the place. And what that means is it's called position errors. And what that means is a watch does not stay in one position on your wrist. It's turned sideways, upside down, da, 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 everything. Every time that watch is put in a different position, it's going to run differently because of gravity, because of the position it's in. The wheel turns differently. Really, really expensive watches. If you look on the movement, it says time to five positions or four or six positions. It says it right on the movement. And what that means is they took that movement and they put it in different positions and checked how it ran. And they have it running really good in five positions or whatever. So if you get a really good watch, it has a good movement, it's been serviced and so on, you should virtually be able to turn it into any position, should run reasonably good, pretty close to straight. And newer watches do that, older watches not so much, because for some reason, <clears throat> over the years, some of the parts have been changed. Uh, the tolerances are not there anymore because of movement, because of the wear, and they don't run that perfect. So I got these watches back. I think there were two. Could have been three. And they're running all over the place. And I know that's bad. That also means I know you're sitting back going, who cares? Well, it doesn't run right. It's not going to keep good time. You know, if you keep it on one side, it's going to be slow. You keep it on one side, it's going to be fast. Uh, my original watchmaker used to say, look, it's an old watch. It's never going to run perfect. And if it compensates on one side, it runs fast. One side, it runs slow. You wearing it, it should run okay. And he had given me pieces back that ran all over the place. But when you wore them, they kept reasonably good time. We're talking about older watches. Newer watches, that's unacceptable. Older watches, yes. Newer watches, no. They should run pretty good. That's why if you buy a newer watch from the 80s or above, odds are you're going to be able to put it on your wrist and wear it. Unless it's really dirty or really running bad. That's another thing you could do. If you have the time or somebody will let you, you could take a watch you're going to buy and put it on your timing machine. That'll tell you a lot. 
how it's running. That's kind of important. So I call this joker up and I said, uh, excuse me. I said, uh, the watch is running. These watches are running, but they have position errors. It's called, <clears throat> can you do anything about that? And what that means is it's running badly in different positions or not good on any of them, or some of them are okay. And some of them aren't. And my original guy, John would either say to me, look, it'll even out or let me see what I can do. And he would try to adjust it and get it closer. And you can, you can move the mainspring. You can use, I'm not the mainspring, the, the balance spring you can adjust. And there's adjustments on the length and how fast it runs and slow it runs. And if you put it on a timing machine while it's running, which you can, <clears throat> and you're supposed to actually, you can adjust it right there on the machine and watch the line go from the side to the middle, which is exactly what you want, straight. And the machine will tell you how devi deviated it is from the norm from zero. It'll tell you it's going to run 10 seconds, 20 seconds, a minute fast, five minutes. You can tell. So I said it to this guy. And he got all bent out of shape. Oh, you shouldn't look at that. Oh, I didn't want you to put it on a machine. Oh, and what he was actually doing was covering up his lack of expertise. And I hate to say it because I've never said it about anybody other than people that knew they weren't experts. Like I had a friend that used to sell me watches. And he would work on the stuff himself. He'd have a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. The smoke would be going in the room. And he was an amateur, but he got his watches running pretty good. But he was an amateur. My original guy was trained at one of the biggest watchmaking facilities there is. So he was really good on anything. And he was trained at Bulova, as a matter of fact. So he was good on Bulova's, which was a Swiss movement usually. And the Accutrons he was trained on too. So he knew how to fix those, which that's a really, that's a whole bag of worms all by itself, the Accutrons. So this guy gets all bent out of shape. And I go, okay, fine. After I left him and said, that's it. I can't work with this guy. He can't fix my stuff. He can't do what I want. What good is he? You know, I need stuff in a reasonable amount of time fixed well, fixed right. So I called up my friend Ricky and I said, how about these other Vacherons I have? Because I had a couple of them he did. And they didn't run great. They were all over the place. And I even had him switch one of the movements because one of the movements ran better than the other. And the watches were identical years, identical movements. So I said, switch them. Put the better movement in the better watch. Little did I know that I didn't have to do that. So I gave these two Vacherons to Ricky. And when I got them back, they ran a perfect straight line before they were all over the place. They were a mess. And he told me your guy didn't put in the right mainspring because that's very important that the mainspring provides the power. And if you have old mainsprings, that was one of the things my original guy, John, used to always tell me is change the mainspring right away. If it's a black old mainspring, put a new one in. Because think about it. A spring is a piece of metal that's wound up. And as it opens up it creates power that runs the watch so the spring the metal is going to fatigue over years and not have the same uh, power that it had when it was wound up when it was new so you get a new mainspring so my guy ricky says to me well the mainspring the guy put in was wrong it didn't run right duh 
it was running terrible. Both those watches were not running good at all. I was not pleased. Although he did do the dials. He took them in and had the dials redone, and they came out nice. Didn't come out exactly as I had asked. One of them did, one of them didn't. But they were nice. I still have the dials. I'm happy. I'm okay with them. But when I got them back from Ricky, they ran perfect. These are watches that date back to the 30s, if you can believe it. And they were running like a brand new watch. That's how perfect they were. I couldn't believe it. They were running like a new watch. Now, the beat count on these watches was 18,000, which is old. And the newer watches are now, um, they go all the way up to 36,000 beats per hour, which is double the old ones. And the faster it beats, the more accurate it's going to be because it's dissecting time into smaller increments. Therefore, it can the, the detail is there. You can adjust it more. It's kind of like resolution in music. Can you hear everything that's there? If you get a better unit, you should be able to better speakers, amp. You can hear a lot more that you didn't hear before because the stereo is capable of resolving more information. The same process works on watches. The better watches with better movements. I mean, you're talking about a watch that's over 80 years old. It runs like new. Keeps beautiful time. It didn't before, but it does now. So it's bunk. Just because it's an old watch and it can't be fixed, it's not true. It can. I've got the living proof. I got two of them. They run so good. And the one that was a was a basket case, I call that one the Phoenix that came out of Rose from the Ashes, that runs perfect too. I mean, this guy, my guy Ricky, can make parts, which is the next part of our story, which I'm about to tell you. And that is the watch I told you that I had gotten that had no bezel and the hands were all bent up. I mean, that's terrible when hands are bent because it's hard to replace, you know, the original hands. This thing had a, a moon hand that was bent. You know what a moon hand is? It's a, actually not a moon hand. It's a, a calendar hand with a half a moon on the end of it. So it's a hand that goes, shoots out, and then has, has a half a moon on the end. And what that half moon does is it goes over the numbers on the dial and it clicks to different numbers so you can see the date. So those are hard to get those hands. That's the only reason I'm telling you this story. So this watch was a mess. It was beat up. The bezel was gone. The crystal was gone. The hands were all demolished. It was really bad. So with that, we're going to take a break, and I'm going to tell you how I brought it back coming up because I did bring it back and it blew me away. So uh, we have to take a break here. And I really do appreciate everybody, all your kind words and thoughts as always. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Okay, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Okay, so let's talk about that. So I have this watch, can't get the parts. So my buddy Ricky says to me, I can make the bezel. I said, what? <laughs> We're talking about a modern watch. We're not talking about an old watch. We're talking about an expensive, it's like 14,000 this watch. And it was useless without a bezel and crystal. What are you going to do with it? 
Now, the other part is I bought it so reasonable that I could always dump it for parts, whatever. I can always get my money out of it. That's not a problem. But when you buy a watch that's worth that kind of money for near peanuts, it's worth it to try to bring it back. It really is, especially when you pay nothing for it. And I'll tell you another story about one I paid nothing for because I know you're, I'm sure you like these stories because they're fun. That's what the art of the chase is exciting. So he says to me, I can do the bezel. So, okay. I said, go for it. So time passes and we meet for some other reason. He shows me this bezel that he's made and it sits, but it doesn't lock onto the watch or anything. I'm thinking, how's this going to be water resistant? It just sits on there. And it's blue, no less. It's The watch is stainless steel. And the bezel is blue. I said, what the hell? He goes, you don't like the blue? I said, no, I want it stainless steel looking. I guess it was some kind of coating or something he put on it. Okay, okay. So another month or two goes by. And he says, I got the watch done. It wasn't cheap, by the way, but it was cheap compared to what it's worth now. And that's what another thing you got to think about. Investing the money, is it worth it? Is it going to pay off? Remember, most watches are going up, 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 up. They're not going down. So even if it's not worth it today, five, ten years from now, it may be more than worth it. you got to look at that, too. Especially when I look back at when I started on TV doing Rolexes, you could buy them so much less than they are today. It's amazing. I mean, I used to sell presidents, Rolex presidents on TV for $8,000 or less. And now, oh my God, they listed almost 40. You'd be lucky to get one for 20. I mean, it's amazing how they've all gone up. So the point is, you got to look at what you have to invest. Is it going to make you happy? I bought watches I got so excited about. A month later, I couldn't care less. They just didn't do it for me long term. So you got to kind of temper it. You can't buy everything. You can't work on everything. It's just too much. So finally, I get this watch back. And the bezel is on there, the crystal. You cannot tell he made that bezel. How he did it with all the, this was not a simple bezel. This was a tonneau-shaped bezel. It was really weird. And I, I mentioned earlier that I had bought another watch, same company, same design, not as fancy a movement, not as expensive, same case. And I said, let's cannibalize the crystal and the bezel from this watch and put it on that watch. Well, he tried, but what he found out was, this is something I had no clue, and now I do, and you should also. The, the, the bezel and crystal were not tall enough for the watch. So think. let's think about that one. On the old watch, they were fine. But with this other watch, what had extra hands and extra thick, it was taller inside. I didn't know that. It fit exactly right. It just wasn't tall enough. So it hit the hands and hit, and he couldn't do it. And I went, holy mackerel, I bought that watch for nothing, <laughs> just for the parts. So you got to take a shot. You know, you got to gamble every once in a while. So I got to figure that in. So I said to him, when I got the watch back, which came back looking great. I mean, it's gorgeous. Did you see this thing? It's absolutely stunning. So when I got it back, I said to him, how did you put the bezel on? Because it isn't moving anything. It's not going. It's not wiggling. It's not doing anything but sitting there nice. How'd you do it? 
So he said to me he had some kind of an epoxy that he uses. He says, nothing is going to move that bezel out of there. Then I got the watch back, and he made the bezel from scratch. He didn't use another bezel. He didn't get parts. He made it from scratch. I mean, that's amazing. Cost me, I think, about five or 600 the whole thing. But I got news for you. That's a lot cheaper than it could have been. And the watch is worth about $14,000, $15,000. Now, I'm not a big proponent of spending huge amounts of money on watches. I'm really not. Even though you all, a lot of you like to do that, I think it's great. To me, the whole fun is buying cheap, not spending tons of money, trying to get something reasonable, especially you've got to be trolling out there. You've got to be looking all the time for deals and bargains. And I love the people that don't know what they have. Well, I don't know anything about this, but, you know, it was my ex-brother-in-law twice removed. And, you know, here it is. And other people are looking too. So you got to be quick. And you got to be good. Like when I saw that Vacheron, the one that took so long to fix, um, the guy had it up pretty cheap. And then he took it down. He was looking for offers. He was this. He was that. I said, look, dude, you got a big problem with this thing. I'm taking a shot at offering you this money. I don't know that I can fix it. I haven't seen this watch. It's in Europe. I don't know what's wrong with it. I have no clue. I'm taking a big shot. I could spend this money and have to throw it away virtually. So he listened to what I said and said, okay. And he sold it to me pretty reasonably. And I figured out, you know, I had one of the best watchmakers around for many, 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 many years who has since retired. That's why I got that other guy who was terrible. Um, and I figured no problem. I'll be able to fix this one way or another, but it didn't work out that way. Took me a year and a half to get the damn thing running. I really was given up. And I have never given up on a piece. Never. Never, ever, ever, ever. So that's tough. That is tough. So let's go back to if somebody brings you in a watch or you see a watch you like. You want to see how it's running. You want to see what the case is, the material. What's the dial look like? Okay, let's talk about dials. What does the dial look like? Some people, a lot of watch collectors, love original dials. And that's great if they look good. But if an original dial looks like dirty laundry, which a lot of them look like dingy. and Like when I got this little, this Vacheron, this old, another one I got, it had a white dial that was so dirty looking that I didn't want to wear it. It was original. And yes, original is worth more. But if it really looks like hell, what good is it? I want to wear something that looks really great. So I will go in and restore the dial. And I know a lot of people will tell me, oh, you're crazy. If I could find another original dial in bad shape and redo that and keep the original, original one, I would do it like I did with the Rolex. But it's impossible. Those Vacherons are from the 30s. Find those dials. Forget it. So I wouldn't wear it the way it was. So I send it in and had it redone. And I really liked the way I did it. I did it in a matte black finish. I'm always trying to do dials different so they don't look like everybody else. So instead of a shiny black that everybody does, I did a matte black, which is not shiny, flat black. with And it's a rose gold markers on it. And the case is rose gold. What a look. What a phenomenal look. When you take a rose gold watch against black, or dark blue. It is gorgeous. I don't know how to describe it. 
That watch is one of my absolute favorites to this day. I still love that stupid thing. And it had the movement that was so bad and got fixed to run perfect. It's great. Absolutely great. So you got to put into your mind, what do I have to do to bring this back? Am I happy with it the way it's running and the way it looks? So that's another thing you got to look at. And you got to figure out if I buy this watch, say it's a Hamilton for argument's sake, and I'm going to pay $300 for it. Is it worth the 300? And if I have to put in another, say 200, that's 500. Am I going upside down big time? Is it something I'd be proud to wear, even though I paid more than I should have? Those are the kind of questions you need to ask yourself before you just run off and buy. And to buy stuff just to buy it to me makes no sense. None. Yes, buying parts is important. I buy parts all the time. Buckles, bands, you name it in parts. If I see stuff going by me I can use, I will pick it up. But do you want the watch the way it is? Are you going to wear it? What is it going to take to bring it back? What's the condition of the watch? And what's the name? And is it rare? Is it just a timekeeper? Does it have uh, complications on it? Is there like a chronograph, which is a stopwatch function? You know, those are highly sought after, older chronographs, very sought after. And they're more complicated to fix and run and all that, which is kind of a pain. I mean, they're good movements, but they got a lot going on. Remember, everything it does is more gears, more things going on, more stuff to break down, more stuff to go wrong. So you got to keep that in mind. It's not that simple. Okay, so we like it. You got to get an idea of the age. Who makes the movement? That's another question. How many joules in that movement? Seven joules, 15, 17, 18, 26, 21. How many joules? Generally, automatic watches did not really come into prominence until the 50s. So before that, everything is manual wind. That's another thing I didn't like. Imagine every day you have to wind your watch. Once, twice, three times a day, you got to keep it wound. And the reason you want to keep it wound is because it keeps better time when it's wound than it's not wound. Every time I would take a watch into my watchmaker, my original John, he would always wind the watch and say, you cannot take a reading unless that watch is fully wound. That's how it should be. So if you keep the same thinking in mind, you want to keep it wound during the day. So you wind it until it kind of stops. You don't push it further than that or you'll break it. You go easy on it. When you feel there's pushback, you stop. It's real simple. Um, with an automatic watch, you cannot overwind it. You watch as wind it as much as you want. What I tell people is when you take an automatic watch out of its little holder or wherever it is, and you're going to wear it, you wind it up the first time. You can wind it 20 times, set it, and then don't wind it again if you're going to wear it. <clears throat> if you're going to take it off, you have to do it again. But if you wear it or if you put it on what you call, what's called a watch winder, it'll keep going. And those are much better. But that's the that's the trade-off with an automatic watch. You've got to wear it. Like a Rolex, you've got to wear the damn thing. If you let it sit, you're going to be resetting it just like a manual wind every time. So are you going to wear one watch all the time, most of the time, and wear it? And usually automatic watches have enough of a charge that when you take them off on a Friday night, you put them back on Monday morning, they should still be running. If they're not, they probably need service. Or a new mainspring or both. Could be both. So those are the kind of things we need to watch out for. Also, what kind of band is on the watch? Is it a metal band? Is the band demolished? A lot of times if you find a watch with a metal band and the band is really messed up, 
You can buy the watch cheaper. It's just take the band off. You can put a strap on it. You can buy an aftermarket band. You can try to buy the original band, which is expensive usually. But that's a, that's another key thing you can use to get the watch cheaper. You know, I used to buy Rolex Presidents and the bands would be all stretched out. I'd take the band off and put it on a strap. It looks great. And that way you don't need the band. So there's a way you could save a couple of bucks and still get what you want. Okay, so now we're looking at the band. We're looking at the buckle. We're looking at the case. We're looking at all that. We like it. Now the question is, how do you buy it? Can you trade? Do you pay cash? Do you try to negotiate? I mean, I would try to negotiate right off the bat. Why not? you got nothing to lose. And when you're making offers on something and you're going back and forth, that's kind of dangerous for the seller because you could walk away, and I have. And then they're scratching their head. You know, what happened? We were $10 away, $100 away, and then the person just left. When you have someone on the hook that wants to buy, don't let them get away if you can help it. It's a biggie. All right, so we are coming to the end of this fun session. I hope you all have had an exciting, exciting show like I have because uh, that's what we do. We do the fun things just for you. So let's go cuckoo. Another week, another fun. Thank you all for watching and listening. And those of you in foreign countries, I love you. Thank you so much for your support. Tell your friends, tell everybody. We need to get more people listening. That way I can get us online so we can see things and I can show you things. So try to get your friends and, and family to listen if they like watches. I mean, this is for everybody. Even